everybody makes mistakes. But the question is how, what do you do once you're hitting that block road, you're facing this mistake? How do you behave? This is what's going to set you apart from, from others. Hi, you're listening to That Really Happened, Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. If you're a real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Our guest speakers will bring you amazing, intriguing, and unbelievable stories about real estate investing. The stories will be an honest and transparent account about what it actually means to invest in real estate. You'll hear stories that investors don't usually share. Stories about hardships, breaking points, painful truths, and surprising realizations. Sometimes there's a happy ending, and sometimes the story ends very differently than you would expect. So let's get the show started. Hi guys, welcome to That Really Happened. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host, broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. This episode is the last episode of the first season of That Really Happened. So in the season finale, I will talk about the five most interesting episodes this season and the lessons that I've learned from all those episodes. So these are basically key lessons that I believe can help any real estate investor. So I basically just summed up the the five most interesting episodes. And these are stories and lessons that resonated with me. And I thought it would be very, you know, pretty much, I think everyone is going to be interested in that. And I think it's going to contribute to your business, your personal lives. These are basically really important and interesting lessons. And the first one is part of episode 41, where I interviewed AJ Osborne. So his story was really crazy. He was basically telling the amazing story of how he became paralyzed out of the blue. And he had a family, had a wife and and a kid. And basically for him, because he already had real estate and he had passive investment coming, a a stream of income coming from those investments, he was able to sustain himself and provide for himself and for his family. And and I think that this is huge because if he worked on a W-2 job or was relying on any other source of income, now that he's paralyzed and when he was paralyzed and he wasn't able to work for, for months and months until he slowly recovered, how would he be able to support his family? This is something that real estate can actually provide. And this is the, the power of passive investing. This is the power of investing in real estate. It doesn't matter what happens to you. There's a brick and mortar. There's something that is real and it's out there and is basically generating income as you, you move forward. And it doesn't matter if you're sick if you're living in a certain, you know, state, if you're vacationing, it's always going to generate cash. Now, there's a little bit of a caveat here because you do need to have systems and places and people that manage the asset. So if you manage the asset yourself, obviously 
You need to be able to be there and do that. But if you have people that are doing that for you, and that's basically what I recommend everyone to do when they're investing in real estate, then it's a beautiful, beautiful mechanism. Now, before I move to the next episode, the one thing that I wanted to share is my thought about what people consider as passive investing. A lot of people think that if they're going to buy a duplex or fourplex or even 10 units and manage it themselves, they'll be able to create passive investing through real estate. But the truth is that there's nothing passive about that. You'll have, if, if you're managing those assets, you have to find the tenants, you need to collect the, the rents, you need to fix the toilets when they, when they break. So this is not, it's real estate investing. You are a real estate investor, but the, the income is not passive. There's nothing passive about that. And when you're considering you know, whether to invest in real estate and in, in what framework, it's really important to keep that in mind that if you truly want to have passive investment and passive stream of income, then somebody else needs to manage those properties. Could be a a property manager, could be a syndicator if you invest in a syndication. But it just when you're making that decision, just understand what passive investing really truly means. And it's not for everybody. Some people want more control and that's totally fine. As long as you understand what you're going to to do and, and whether passive or active investing is the best route for you, then it's going to be fine. So that's basically the power of passive investing through real estate is one of the the main, I think, key lessons and how powerful it, it is once you have a system that is running that generates passive income. That's the one of the stories that resonated with me. Now, the second one is with Joe Fairless, and that's from episode two. So Joe was basically talking about the power of partnering up with experienced investors and experienced team members when you're just starting out. So Joe was sharing his story about starting about his first deal, buying his first deal and partnering up with the the property management company that he was working with. And he basically talked about something that I hear all the time, this catch 22. I hear it from many aspiring investors who want to get into real estate. They want to purchase multifamily properties, but you can't really get in the game without experience. But how are, and the reason is that sellers don't want to take the risk of getting into a negotiation with someone who might not be able to close it. And the same goes for the brokers because it's their reputation and they don't want to waste their time. They want to get paid as soon as possible. So they keep vetting investors. And if you're a newbie, then usually they don't, they're not interested in giving you uh, you know, a chance. And so that's the problem of getting your first deal. But it's a catch 22 because how are you going to get experience if you're not going to get your first deal, but how, but you're not going to get your first deal without experience. And one of the lessons and the ideas that Joe and I were discussing in episode two was partnering up with more experienced investors. So there's always something that you can bring to the table. And when you team up with a pat with a, with an experienced investors, I mean, everybody has a pain point. You got to find what is the investor's pain point and then team up with him and prov- or, or with her and provide them with that value. So you either can 
have a, a you know connections or network in a certain market that they want to get into but they don't have a lot of you know, they don't have boots on the ground there so you can bring the deals you can help with the capital raising and manage the investors relations there's so many things you can do you can provide underwriting you know services and so there's always a way to add value and that way partner with them and get in the game so when it's your first deal it might be your first deal, but it's deal number 13, 25, 75 of that other investor. And, you know, I got, I, I wrote about it on social media and I got an interesting uh, me- message from someone. Basically, he replied to one of my posts and he said, oh, you know, you make it sound so easy. I don't believe that this is true. You can't really partner with someone. Why would anyone experience want to partner with you? And I can tell you, I've seen it over and over. There's a lot of very experienced investors that are partnering up with inexperienced investors because those inexperienced investors know that they can bring some value and they find the value that they can bring to those experienced investors. I've seen it. I've experienced it over and over again. And even to me as an experienced investor, I have people without experience that keep adding value to my company in, in, or at least, you know, offer to add value. So it's definitely, definitely possible. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard to find, you know, it's the same as a life partner. It's hard to find a partner to team up with. It's hard to find the experienced investor that you trust, that you like, that you want to do business with. But once you do, it's the greatest thing in, in it's the best thing that can happen to you as someone who's just starting out. So partnering up with experienced investors, that's the lesson number two that I wanted to share on this episode. Now, the third, you know, lesson that resonated with me was while I was talking with Kathy Fetke on episode four. And Kathy, she's a, she's a great lady. She lives not so far away from, from me here in Malibu. And she's a syndicator. And she started, you know, several years ago. And she has... I think something like 10,000 investors in her uh, network. So she's hugely successful. But she actually was very brave. She shared the story of her first syndication. And what happened was that she, she partnered with someone who she thought was experienced and can lead that syndication the best way possible. And they had some unforeseen circumstances basically... May brought the syndication to a place where the deal completely failed. And Kathy was sharing how she had to gather strength and have a call with investors with the presence of her lawyer to deliver the news that the syndication, that this deal is not going to work and everyone basically lost their money, which is the worst thing that can happen to any investor, especially a syndicator. And, you know, the first thing that I would think if I didn't know it was her and I heard the story, because I know how successful she is today, I would probably say a syndicator that lost everyone's money on the first syndicated deal, this guy is not going to invest in real estate or at least not in in any other syndication. No one is going to trust him or her. But 
this thinking was wrong. And, and the lesson that I've learned from this story is how to basically keep pushing and, and, and keep believing in yourself and not giving up because she could have said, you know what? I failed on my first indication. Nobody's going to trust me again. Nobody's going to invest with me. And I asked her, Kathy, how did you convince people, investors to keep investing with you? And she said, I promised them. Well, first off, I was very transparent and I, and I explained everything that happened, that had happened. I did not try to sugarcoat it. I told it as it was, and I promised them that the next deal is going to be a great deal. And she did find the next deal and it turned out great. And most investors, there were some who were, who were pissed off, but most investor, investors trusted her with their money again which is amazing. So perseverance, I think it's it's huge. And when you basically, you believe in yourself and and you don't, you know, there, there's, you look around you and, you and you know what others are thinking, but you keep pushing and you keep doing what you think is the right thing to do. You set your own rules, you will succeed. And she is a very, very successful lady. And that's one of the lessons that I've learned because I don't think that if I lost my investor's money on the first deal, I don't think I would would have had the, the courage to keep syndicating deals. And looking at people that have done that, and it was hard for, for her. It was not easy, but she just kept going. That was amazing to me. And I think that can... And that's and that's a great story because the lessons here are so obvious and they're they're she was so honest and so true that I immediately trusted her and of course I know her now a lot more than I knew her back when I interviewed her but I think you know th- this that that was a great story and I think he can really tell you about someone's personality as well someone's character and so the fourth lesson that I wanted to talk about is from episode 37. And I interviewed Adam Adams, who's my friend as well. So and he he's a syndicator from Denver, Colorado. He's been doing great things, very active on social media. And he was talking about the courage of transparency. So what happened was that Adam found out he was partnering with another sponsor. And his job was among others, to bring capital to the deal. Now, at some point, he found out an oversight regarding his partner, and he understood that he actually did not want to go into business with that guy. So what he did was he went back to his investors and decided to be completely transparent with them and tell them what he had found and acknowledge his, you know, oversight, his mistake, and then decided to walk away from the deal. And I think, you know, doing something like this, and it's really, and it actually, it really, you know, reminds me of the story with Kathy Fetke as well. I see the resemblance here. There's, once you are transparent, I mean, I think that people, nobody expects you to be perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. But the question is how, what do you do once you're hitting that block road, you're facing this mistake. How do you behave? This is what's going to set you apart from, from others. And Adam was very adamant about being transparent and 
telling investors exactly what happened and say, hey, I made a mistake. I did not, I was not doing a certain due diligence that I should have. And I just found out that this investor is not the right investor to invest with and it's not the right partner for me. And I have to walk away from the deal. And I think there's a lot of power in in basically being there's a lot of it takes a lot of courage to be that transparent. And this is something that I took this is one of the big takeaways because you know when we make mistakes we tend to present it in a way that will not damage us and our reputation and this is just human nature. And so when Adam was transparent and basically he owned it. He owned it. He he owned his mistake. And what it does, it might be, it looks like it's damaging on the short term, but in the long term, you're, he gained investors' trust. And they kept investing with him because they knew that if something happens, he's going to be transparent. He's not going to try and present things as, you know, he's going to present things as they are. And this is huge when it comes to investing with passive investors because people invest with people that they like and trust. And it's, it's always, you know, it, it, whether you like someone, you know that pretty much right away, but whether you build trust, that takes time and it's so easy to break this trust. So I think, you know, that lesson w- really resonated with me because it's something that I also try to live by. Transparency, I think is huge and it's not always easy. And then for the last lesson, it's basically my story from the first episode. And if you're, if you're even a little bit curious about me and my background, where it came from, you can uh, go back to the first episode and listen to my life story. So I'm not going to repeat the whole story. I'm just going to give you kind of the, the short version of it. I'm originally from Israel. I was born to a very, very poor family with, you know, four kids and my, I had a, a very sick mom and I basically took the role of the parent from a, an early age, which included, you know, taking care of my brother and sisters and also involved helping with the house chores and, and also cleaning synagogues to so my parents can have some extra cash. I got married when I was 19. At that point, I thought it would be smart uh, to start my own, you know, to be in charge of my own household at the age of 19, because we all know best when we're 19, of course. And the marriage didn't work. I was married for nine or 10 years. And during that time, I was doing whatever I could to get out of poverty because I was still poor. And I just made my my situation even worse because I was the sole provider. I was working two jobs and I was a student and I I was a full-time student in, you know, in addition. And I worked really hard to get into law school. And after that, I started working as a lawyer at a really large law firm, real estate, in the real estate department of a really large law law firm in, in Israel. Just when it seems like everything was starting to work out, I started to make some money. I discovered that I had a very rare eye disease that almost left me blind in one eye. And until today, I don't, my eyesight is is a bit distorted because of, of that disease. And the healing process was very painful. It was pretty long. And during that time, 
I basically understood that I was not seeing things clearly, that I was not passionate about what I was doing. And that shifted my focus into real estate, but not from the legal, not from the the legal side. So in one year, I actually quit my job and, and I finally got the courage to walk out of a very difficult marriage and it all happened in one year. It was a pretty rocky year for me. And throughout the entire time, I've always knew that I would make it. I had no doubt in my mind that I would end up in a great place, that I'm going to build myself. And I, I, I thought it would be in real estate, but I wasn't sure. And this fire in me started when when I was 11 years old. And I remember standing right outside my house, you know, the door, the entry door. And I remember thinking, my kids, when I'm going to have, if I'm going to have kids, they're not going to experience what I'm experiencing. They're not going to go to school and be laughed at because they're poor. They're not going to have to witness their parents struggling for money and fearing that the kids are going to be taken away and be put in foster in foster care. And I'm just going to give them everything that I don't have. And I know I just decided I'm going to be successful. I'm going to make it. Money is never going to be an issue. And ever since, and this is the lesson that I wanted to share ever since, ever since I was 11 years old, over 20 years now, I believed in something and I made it my reality. And I know it might sound like a mumbo jumbo, but I I, I have to tell you, I'm not the smartest person in the world. I'm not the most creative person in the world. I'm not the most successful person in the world, but all of this doesn't matter. Once I decided that my reality is going to be different, everything in my being geared and adjusted to that reality that I started to believe at some point was true. So, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Because I decided that I'm going to be successful, I was looking for career options that would that would make that thought a reality. So that, and that's why I went to law school and that's why I fought hard and I worked so hard to get there. And when I was there, I was actually, I had a um, two degrees, bachelor and master's in law within four years. And I graduated with excellence because for me, I was there. That was my ticket out. That was my ticket out of, of poverty. And when I kept going on as I grew up, everything that I did, I consciously and subconsciously made decisions that would put me where I would be set up for success. And that's why when I was in Israel and I realized that it's going to be harder for me to succeed there, fi- succeed there financially, I decided America is a place for me. And I thought, what would be the best way to move here and start a life here? And set myself up for success. And I realized that it was by going to a business school, not just any business school. I worked hard, worked really hard, and I managed to get into MIT to their business you know, program, to the MBA program. So because at the age of 11, I had this vision, this self-belief that I'm going to make it, I didn't let anything you know, stand in my way. And that's the thing I want you to leave with. That's that, that thought that you should never give up. 
And if I did it, I really think that anybody with that fire, with that determination can do it. And so with that, with this thought, I want to leave you guys with this, with this thought and this lesson. And that would be pretty much the last sentences of season one of that really happened. Unbelievable real estate stories. I really wish you enjoyed the season. The next one is going to be a bit different. We're going to be talking more about real estate and less about stories. We're going to focus on the assets, process, and strategy. And I hope you're going to continue with me and listen to the new season that is coming up pretty soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.